everybody. Welcome to the Third Line Plugs, Sandscast. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. Joining me, as always, from the tropical metropolis of Calgary, Alberta, my co-host, Tim Jensen. Tim, how's it going, man? I hear you got a new computer. Yeah, so uh, breaking kayfabe a bit, last week, in the middle of recording, my computer just crashed. Like, I got the full-on blue screen and everything. I'm like, all right, we need to replace this thing. So, normally, and I stress this, normally, I would not buy a computer off Facebook Marketplace. But this thing was, like, not even a week old. The guy built it for his girlfriend, and uh, she didn't want to play, like, Dota and Counter-Strike with him. So they just started, they decided to sell it. And I haggled them down from, like, the initial, like, a couple hundred bucks off the initial offer. Oh, that's pretty good, man. That's pretty good. Yeah, so, like, given those circumstances, I bought it. But normally, I would not buy a computer off Facebook Marketplace because you don't know what they've done with the graphics card or the internals or if it's been used to mine Bitcoin or not. No, that's fair. And obviously, I and it's funny because I have my own story regarding Facebook Marketplace, but I'll save that for next week's episode because I'm very excited to announce that we have a very special guest on the line. Our guest this week is the founder of the Instagram page, now social media page, daily underscore sends underscore news. Please welcome to the show. Rain Ellison. Rain, how's it going, man? Welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Thanks uh, Thanks a lot for having me. I really appreciate it. And I'm allowing you guys to have me come on here. No, we're going to have a lot of fun this evening. We're going to be talking about some great games we've got to talk about. But before we do anything, we got to talk about our cover athlete for today's episode, Season 7, Episode 14, Ecological Order, Episode 164, the J.C. Boudin episode. So just a little background about J.C. Boudin. He was selected 70... 71st overall by the Colorado Avalanche in 2015. He would play 22 NHL games with the Ottawa Senators, recording one assist in the 2019-2020 season. Any of you guys have any memories of this guy? I know I don't. I remember he came over in the Max McCormick trade. That's about it. I got nothing. He's just like one of those random guys who we saw so much of uh, at the tail end of Guy Boucher and the start of TJ Smith, where it's like, that is a guy. He's not going to play hockey any. He's not going to play hockey in North America much longer. Yep. And as far as I know, the last I checked, he is playing in the German league. I call I apologize if I can't recall the team, but all I know is that it's not Adler Mannheim. It's the Wolfsburg <laughs> Grizzly Adams. That's a name. It's one of my favorite teams in Chell. <laughs> Oh, such a good one. Such a good one. No, you know, it's unfortunate, Rain, that we're getting you on to talk about this cover athlete because next week's episode, season seven, episode 15, in chronological order, episode 165, the one and only Eric Carlson. Has watches Rain logs <laughs> off. He's like, that's it. I've had enough. I did I did sign up for paid on today's podcast. <laughs> Oh, I know. And you know what? I wish that we could talk about Eric Carlson, but unfortunately, JC Boudin is our cover athlete. But yeah, we'll have lots to talk about with Eric Carlson next week, Tim. I'm happy about that. We are. So, Rain, like I said off the top, I'm very excited to have you on the show. Not only, and I said this to you before we hit record, when I first started on Instagram, you were one of the first pages that I started following. I know me and I know a bunch of people have started following you right out of the gate. Now, very excited because today's episode, we're going to be doing the 2023-24 Ottawa Center's first half recap. 
Now, when we get guests on the show, we like to do a little bit of getting to know them. And the number one question I love asking right out of the gate, how did you become a fan of the Ottawa Senators? I mean, honestly, like growing up as a kid, until uh, I was about like six or seven, I was an Edmonton Oilers fan. And then like I, I had like I had a lot of hockey around me. My dad's a Blackhawks fan. I had obviously Leafs you know family members and stuff so but around the time when i started getting a grasp on what you know hockey is and everything that's when you know daniel alfredson danny heatley uh, jason spetha wade redden those guys chris phillips could go on and on um and the sens were one of the best teams in the nhl at that time and then when they went to the stanley cup finals you know playing in uh, elementary school, playing mini sticks with your friends and whatever. You're always like, oh, hey, I'm Danny Heatley. I got to be Danny Offensive, whatever, right? So just kind of growing up in that brief era of when the Sens were really good, uh, I guess you could say. I know they were pretty dominant in the early 2000s as well, but I was like two, three years old. So, <laughs> but yeah, I would say that's that had a lot to do with it and the fact that I always grew up hating the Leafs, so... <laughs> No, that's fair. And I know for myself, I have an older brother who's a diehard Leafs fan. So it kind of made sense that I would go for Ottawa on that end. But it's kind of weird being a sense fan on the West Coast because just anybody, when you tell them, yeah, I'm a Senators fan, the first question is, why? Still get that here in the Toronto area, man. <laughs> Everybody looks at you weird and, you know, you, you always – get some comments whenever you wear a Sens hat or something out in public around here. That's for sure. Now, one of the big reasons that we're having you on is because you do run the Instagram now social media account daily underscore sends underscore news. And like I said, I was, or you were one of the first people on Instagram. I started following when I got my account and I'd love to hear from you. How and when did you decide to start the Instagram page? Yeah. So it came off of a, off of the playoff run with the Hamburglar season. And it was around that summer. I remember I started the day after my birthday uh, on July 12th. So my birthday being the 11th. And I remember just laying, I believe I was at my uncle's house, like helping babysit or something in the summer. And uh, I was just like, you know what? Like one thing that the Sens never had on their Instagram and socials was like a final score post. You know, there was no kind of like real game days. It used to just be like a photo of like Jason Spezza. And it was like final score five, four, no kind of rundown or nothing there. So I just kind of, I guess I went, I must've been in like grade 10, 10 or 11. And I just said, you know what, I'm going to make this page and just have fun with it. And I'm going to learn how to, do all these little things. So yeah, that's, that's honestly where it really started. I never thought it would have ever gotten to the point it is today or even a few years ago when it was probably at its peak, but yeah, that's honestly, that's pretty much where it all came from. Given the, given in the time period of which you started, are you, I don't want to, I don't want to say surprised, but are you of the, wow, this is kind of crazy. The amount of people that are doing stuff like this, whether it be on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, even podcasts like ourselves. Yeah, I mean, like not even just in the Ottawa Senators aspect of it, but even everybody, um, you know, because I remember when I started doing it, it wasn't a lot of people doing it in the first place. There wasn't a whole lot of what 
I used to do on the account or even what other guys are doing on the accounts mm -hmm. now in all over uh, sports. So it's really cool to see how much that's all expanded, especially the podcast. Like I was never much of a podcast guy up until about last summer. And it's like, I'm learning of new sense podcasts and fan pages and all sorts of stuff all the time. And I, I think it's great for, for sports and just, you know, people who have wanted to do things, like start their podcast or start broadcasting or whatever it is that it is that they're doing because uh, it, it, it kind of opens up another window right for you to to, to make your own pathway to whatever it is that you want to do in life i know that we were talking a bit off air before we started recording and you and i were saying i was like you know like when Tim and I first started this podcast in 2017, there was none of us doing this. There was a handful of us. I don't even think a show like Locked On Senators, for example, was even doing theirs. So it is kind of cool to see just how far that sense podcasting community has really grown in the last seven years. Yeah, yeah. Well, a lot. I think like the Locked On guys, if I remember correctly, they kind of started on on their own. It was just like their own podcast, kind of like you guys. And then they got picked up by that Locked On network, I believe. That's how it went. Um, and it's just, you know, I've had a few networks like that even try to get me to join them with Daily Sense News, and I never did it. And I'm glad that I never did because it would have required me to change my name and basically everything I kind of named my account off of uh, almost for nothing to, to you know, because they wanted it to be like, like Deke Senators or something like that or mm -hmm. Dangle Senators. And I was like, nah, like, I, I'm just, uh, I'll join, but like, I'm keeping my name. So, <laughs> But yeah, like it's, it's, it, it is crazy how, how big it's all gotten. That's, that's for sure. Even guys like, I remember when I started, there was only like three people that had done it and I was one of the three. And then the other two guys eventually uh, left uh, or their accounts weren't working anymore. And then a guy like Everyday Sends ran in there. I don't know if you guys know that guy, but uh, I remember when he was starting out and messaging me, uh, when he was starting out and stuff and I, I just saw that he stopped uh, doing some of his content where he's taking it down a notch, which is crazy to see. But I mean, you know, I guess that kind of happens, but he, he did a really huge part for the sense community in my opinion as well. It's awesome. It's awesome to see everything kind of unfold. Yeah. And especially just kind of the, some of the weird ways it's unfolded too, like, I remember way back around that hamburger run, you had like welcome to your Car Carlson years and Bonks Mold is kind of the weird side of it. But then you get Gatineau Greg and uh, Go Maddie Sends just go in there with the bizarre photoshops. Uh, yeah. You get the summer of Gulk and just That's the style, so, man. I remember that. <laughs> somehow, despite all of this growth and some networks trying to move in the weirdness has been kept which is very good brian five or six is another guy that comes to mind as well yeah with the weirdness i love that guy I ran into him at a game i was like i gotta get a picture with you man you're awesome <laughs> what's brian five oh. or six like in person he's a really nice guy he's a really nice guy uh i, I didn't talk to him too much he, like you know he's doing his own thing or whatever i'm sure he was probably there with family or something so i was like you're cool <laughs> can i get a quick picture and but yeah he, he was a really nice guy he's he, he's probably almost exactly what you'd expect him to be just a funny outgoing dude so 
Rain, you know, we're talking about your Instagram page and I actually brought this up. So I'm on my own Instagram page there. This is how far back I go with all you. So I've, I've talked about this number of times on the shows. Like I went to the NHL 100 classic in Ottawa in 2017 and Tim gave me some recommendations of where to go. Cause my coach used to live in Ottawa and I reached out to you. I know you probably do not remember this, but I asked, is there any place, any good like breakfast places in town? And you suggested Flapjack's Pancake Shack. And I went there and I explained to the waitress, I said, you know, somebody on Instagram just like suggested this. I took their advice and it was really good. So I remember, I remember my first game because I had followed a lot of people because accounts like that started following me. Um, so I naturally, I just kind of followed a lot of people back, try, try to keep them and stuff. And that was a place that followed me. They're gone now. Oh, are they? Sadly enough. Yeah, they're, they're gone. You know who's arrived, Tay? The Scone Witch. Oh, I've never heard of that place. Oh, it's, uh, you know, the National Arts Building? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so the glass one across the street from that, that has, I think, the out, the Arts Council and used to have Spotify. That's the okay. restaurant in the, ba- in the first floor of that. Oh really? No, I've never very I've good never stones. Heard of that one? No, it was really good. <laughs> yeah, I know that Flapjack's place. That was delicious, and they they had closed like a week or two before I went up for the Chris Neal retirement last year, and it was it was really disappointing. That was easily one of my favorite places in all of Ottawa. That's a long time. That was a really long time ago because I would have gone there in like 2017 at least because that's when my first game in Ottawa was. So. <laughs> that's a long time recommendation that's for sure oh i know i had to dig that up just because i was like man i gotta let you know that i actually went there and that was fantastic <laughs> good what so you, what do you I, remember what you got by chance i don't actually know no? I, I can't recall I, it was such a long time i got ago. like the, it was like oreo waffles so good it was the best i even went there on my own actually i went up for like a job fair for the senators and the world cup was going I remember sitting there watching, like, I think it was Nigeria and Iceland in the World Cup, and I just sat there on my own. Patio was open and everything. It was beautiful. I missed that place a lot. <laughs> Wish they would have sponsored my account at some point. <laughs> so hey, what's the new recommendation? Oh, I don't know. There's there's a lot of pretty good places up there. Like, I lived there for a bit. I'm trying to think of the name of the – it was, like, a not a breakfast place, uh, but it was, like, a bar. The Wellington Diner is really good, actually. Yeah. Special shout out to those guys. They're really, really solid. Zach's Diner is always a go-to as well. Oh, Zach's. Yeah. Is that like like the new congregation of weird market stuff now that the Rio McDonald's is gone? I I don't know. Uh, When I was there, I had just kind of closed. So that McDonald's. But the Byward Market's always been uh, quite the area. I know that. But there's also another bar. I can't remember what it's called. Um it's gonna drive me nuts, <laughs> but it was really good. If I remember it, I'll blur it out in the middle of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, we're here for it. And it's funny that the Rito McDonald's has brought been brought up because I was at work last week during our lunch break. One of our guys is like, "Hey, did you guys ever see these videos of the people back east fighting at the McDonald's?" And I looked at him, I was like, "Are you talking to the Rito McDonald's in Ottawa?" And he's like, "Yes." I was like, "I've never been there. I know about it." Man, it's nuts. I remember I was actually in there once and not not really like knowing about what kind of happened happened there. Uh, but there's like beaver tails. There's a beaver, beaver tail shack close by and 
I remember it was me and my roommates that I was living with at the time. And we went into the McDonald's just to grab a drink. And I think one of my roommates got like a combo or something. And uh, some dude like full blown jumped the counter and tried to fight like a coworker. <laughs> I was like, what happened? They got him like back over. Like, I think he only made it like up onto yeah. the counter and then they pushed him off. But it was, yeah, it's, it, it definitely lives up to its name <laughs> or to its uh, background. That's for sure. Yeah. And it's one of the things that's a little annoying and a lot of McDonald's are doing this nowadays is since COVID, the dining room's been closed after like eight or nine and like the bank street McDonald's, especially now that the Rito one's gone. Yeah. A lot of places are always closed. I remember like a bunch of Tim Hortons even used to be 24 hours and stuff. And, you know, I'm out early in the morning and even if I want a coffee, some places aren't even open at like two, three in the morning. So it's like, oh, <laughs> kind of sucks. But yeah, no, it sucks how COVID's kind of impacted some things. That's for sure. We're going to segue away from here talking about the Rita McDonald's and all the stuff in Ottawa. We got to talk <laughs> about the Ottawa Senators and we got to start with that first half because, God, I tell you, I mean, everything that could have gone wrong went wrong for the Ottawa Senators. And overall, I mean, I don't really want to talk too, too much about the first half, but overall, what was your thoughts on that first half of the Suns? I think you pretty much summed it up. To be honest, if you go look at the posts that I've had, like it's been rather speechless. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like every game is just like, wow. You know, it just slowly gets worse and worse and worse, but it's not really getting worse. It's just the same game. You know what I mean? But your record gets worse and you fall deeper and deeper. Like there's even doing some research for this podcast here. I was looking at some things and I'm like, it is insane. Like our special teams is brutal. Like, like, I mean, obviously we all knew that, but like the power play is in 24th in the NHL right now, which is, you know, I like, I think the flyers, they're like 31st and they're still third in their division, but the PK is like 31st. Like you can't, you just, I don't know. You, the special teams is such a huge part of how a team performs and you even see it in guys like Tim Stutzla and like his success uh, on his own in this first half, even uh, it's, it's been brutal. And that's been a really, really tough start for the, for the boys this year, or I guess half of the season now. The weird thing about the Sens this year is the underlying process. It's not much different than it was last year when we kind of look at pretty much every model really like they are an average possession team the defensive mistakes are more obvious this year because the goaltending has been frankly unacceptable like we're talking Corpusalo is on the same level as Ilya Samsonov and Samsonov got banished to the AHL we're talking like Ottawa would have 16 fewer goals against if we just got like normal goaltending, which probably would put us on a 90 point pace. Yeah. doesn't certainly doesn't help with absolute muffins being tucked in the back of our net on a nightly basis. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> or and it's funny. Or the, the, the classic, the other team gets on a power play when the face off shoot score and yeah. like a matter of seconds, seconds is all it takes. Yeah, and it's like it's not even like a screenplay or anything else. It's just kind of a wobbler from the point which you have an angel goalie has to get that one. Uh, and that honestly, Ottawa's 
penalty killing isn't the method isn't bad and uh, the players deployed to the penalty kill aren't bad. It's well, if Jonas Corpusalo has is rocking a 0.85 save percentage, Jonas Corpusalo is your most important penalty killer. You're going to have a bad penalty kill. Like, you know, you could realistically, you could sit here and like, there's nothing that you can really take honestly from this whole thing. In my opinion, that is good. Like, Maybe, maybe the fact that Brady Chuck has like what 18, 19, 20 goals now at halfway point, which is pretty solid, I guess. But uh, I mean, the most positive thing that I think has happened to this team is Shane Pinto coming back. <laughs> yeah. And it's a shame because you well, saw the optimism of the beginning of the season where Michael Andlara comes in, he's reuniting a lot of old senators, the former owners the founder of the franchise, and then they go out and they just play awful. And it's to the point where fans who were optimistic are now beyond pissed. I'm going to be devil's advocate here. I think there's a lot to be happy about from this season too. Like Tim Stutzla is playing at a 90 point pace. Claude Giroux at 80. Brady Kachuk on 20 goals on the season. And Drake Batherson's looking fine. And Ottawa's defense with the exception of uh, Mr. Hamannick, has been good. The issue really, really stems from the $5 million gamble didn't pay off. And, like, so many other issues stem from that. Ottawa has cap issues because of $10 million allocated to Corpusalo and to Vladimir Tarasenko. Tarasenko is a one-year contract, and for a five million show me 12 goals, 19 assist, 19 assists, most of them primary for 31 points. Not the greatest, but not the worst. $20 million over four years for Corpusalo. That's the problem. 100%. I would definitely agree with that. I think Tarasenko's came in and he's done exactly what you needed him to do. He's scored, he's assisted. You know, like I don't know what more you're looking from for the guy on a one year deal at five mil. But yeah, we definitely did not get the goaltending that we needed last year. Like it's kind of crazy how what we had like a seventh string goalie last year playing better than these guys right now. <laughs> and we much. missed the playoffs by like a point or two. Like and it's brutal. What's funny is it's just Ottawa's continued inability to identify goaltenders. And it's really funny because there is this narrative of like, oh, it's Ottawa's defense because all these goaltenders leave Ottawa and play better. But then in the last two months, that's really come home to roost with uh, Gustafson self-destructing in Minnesota. He's been usurped by Flurry, who's not playing great. And Cam Talbot started, he looked pretty wobbly in the last two months in LA. So all of a sudden it's like, no, it's just Ottawa can't seem to idea goalie. Yeah. What's really unfortunate about the first half is just even though we have been so bad on the ice, it's reportedly getting worse off the ice now. And I know for people who follow the Sens on social media, and especially the fans, two big stories have really broken up in the last couple of weeks. The first one being Jacob Chikorin reportedly being unhappy in Ottawa. And I want to get your take on this, Rain, because I know like you're on social media, you've seen these posts. What do you make of this? Do you feel like there's any clout to this? Or do you just feel it's just rumors? Yeah, I mean, one thing you always got to take into consideration is that it's, you know, it's Liam's Marshall reporting this stuff and, you know, whether 
you you like the guy or not. I, I think I have no problem with him personally. I'm, I know some people have, but you know, he knows he, he, when has he ever really steered anybody wrong on there? You know what I mean? In terms of this kind of news, I think, I think he kind of followed up on it and he, you know, might've been taken out of context a little bit. I, I, I obviously have no inside information on anything, <laughs> but I don't, I'm optimistic that Chikrin won't be traded despite the fact that we've heard about Steos not being one of his uh, favorite players um, from his time in like Edmonton and stuff. Um, but yeah, like there's also, you know, when you, when you do think of it, it's like, okay, well, what, what are the options of Chikrin? Because, I think realistically, one thing that we have to realize is Thomas Shabbat's probably not going to be a guy that gets moved. And obviously, Jake Sanderson's going nowhere. So you got your two on- offensive defensemen. You know, Shabbat's still being a really good point producer in terms of assists anyways, not so much goals. Mind you, I'd much rather have Chikrin's production over that. But, you know, like some of the rumored teams that you've had are like Toronto and Detroit, who in my opinion are just like, immediate no (laughs) like like they call and you just you hang up that phone you know unless Um, william nylander's coming the other way oh well yeah that's that's, yeah like they have to make a stupid offer yeah like but i mean you just look at the alex debrinkett situation with detroit and like i don't want to send chicken anywhere in this division but you know i had in my notes here like i got like like a couple defensemen that like you could really go out and pursue and strengthen the right side, which is kind of what you need. And especially, you know, criticism of Thomas Shabbat and stuff as well. Like we, you got to find that guy, a guy to play with as well. You know, like we've had the Artem Zuba experiments and everything, but you know, if, if you could, I think if you could trade Chikrin for a guy like, like Matt Roy or, because I think LA LA had interest in in Arizona, right? If I I don't know if yeah. you guys remember, yeah. One guy who I like, who I think would be a long shot, but I mean, you traded a seventh rounder or a seventh rounder, seventh overall pick for um, Chikrin is um, like Brant Clark. I highly doubt LA moves on from a kid like him, but I've you know watching him and Barry, like he was he was he's a really good defenseman, and he's from he's from the Ottawa area, he's from the Pian, so. <laughs> You know, maybe that's got maybe something to do with it. Uh, <laughs> but I just think, I just think, you know, I don't think Chikrin's going to sign a home friendly deal. And I think that was kind of the main point uh, behind the tweet. And he's probably going to get anywhere in probably in the $8 million range, right? Because he's coming up to his contract year um, at the end of this year, I believe. And, you know, if Tom Shabbat's getting paid $8 million and Chikrin's doing more in the point production aspect of it which is basically what points are based off of now in the nhl or contracts are Mm -hmm. based off of in the nhl he's gonna need some money so if you can move him for even like a like a brett kulak from the oilers you know but a lot like i think you know he's he's left shot as well i believe so um i think another guy as well as Uyghur will always be the coveted man that you look for to put on the sense d-line if you choose to move on from chicken that's that's just that's how i see it if you're going to trade him you don't train him for picks like you did with arizona you have to go out and get that nhl caliber defenseman to immediately replace him we can't really be waiting on guys which is the only 
minor thing about Brandon Clark is that you probably have to wait another year or two for him. I guess the funny thing about the defense and Shabbat in particular is Shabbat's counting stats would probably be a lot better if the guy just didn't miss as much time this year because the underlying production, the underlying product for Shabbat is fantastic. Like this might actually be one of his best years because he's finally got that defensive, the defensive end under control. He can get the puck out, he can move it, and he's setting up some very beautiful goals. So it's like 8 million is probably fair for Shabbat. Maybe it might even be good value, but it's like bristling a little at giving Shikar an eight. So it might be, hopefully he, because I believe he's under contract for one more season after this one. So teams still have control. You hope that Ottawa has a good year next year and you either take that into the playoffs or yeah, you see what you can get. Because I think with the right side, I think this solution might be internal, especially with a guy like Tyler Clevin, who is killing it in the A. He's looked good enough in limited NHL ice, and that adds size and skating to the back end on the right side. And you don't have to pay anything for it. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with the Clevin uh, thing 100%. I like that kid a lot. Um, yeah, I just I just think if you if you choose to move on from Chicker and that, that's almost the road that you need to go because then, like, is it bad having Clevin on, you know, probably, I mean, maybe if you move on from Zub, he probably sticks on the, the second pairing regardless. But even having Clevin move up somewhere and maybe you can get that third line pairing guy who's going to be used to playing limited minutes and hope Clevin can play the bigger minutes with Thomas Shabbat, that would be probably the most ideal. Or even Jake Sanderson, you know, they have the North Dakota – chemistry or probably or something, right? They got to have something there too. So yeah, I just, Chikrin, Chikrin's definitely a tough one, a uh, mm-hmm. tough pill to swallow. He's just, I think the realistic answer is he's not going to sign a hometown discount. And that's probably the least attractive option for the Ottawa Senators at this point, with the amount of $8 million guys we're paying for right now. <laughs> yeah. Especially when Brandstrom can play both sides and up and down your lineup. Yeah, exactly. But unfortunately, that's a name in the trade rumor, in the trade rumor mill right now. Yeah, he, I, I think I've heard he's been frustrated too. I think I've seen some things on Twitter about that, which is probably rightfully so. It's not like he's been overly outstanding, but he hasn't been horrible either. You know, he's kind of like, it's kind of like right in the middle for me personally. He's just really small. He's a really small defenseman. That's my only real knock on the kid. And like, he really shouldn't have been scratched like he was this week. Was he scratched this week? He, I don't think he played against Philadelphia. Really? I didn't get to watch uh, most of that. Philly no, game. he did not. Oh, he, he wasn't scratched? Sorry, he was not. He did not play in Philadelphia. Oh, he did not play. Okay, yeah. No. That's yeah, that's a weird one. That's a weird one. Hamannick did, though. Yeah, he really should have. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's weird. That's That's a weird one. So, sorry, so moving away from talking about Jacob Chicker, let's talk about Thomas Shabbat because, like Tim says, Tim has always been a defender of Shabbat all season long, even though he's only played, I would say, about 10 plus games so far this season. But one area of fan base that really wants him gone is Sense Twitter. And we've seen over the years with Cody CC, Johnny Oduya, there's Sense Twitter always has a whipping boy. I do not understand why Thomas Shabbat. Is that guy? So, what do you make about Sense Twitter wanting 
to trade Thomas Shabbat. Man, Sen's Twitter is always toxic. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, whether you like it or not or whatever, like, yeah, yeah there's always the whipping boy. That's always somebody. It, at one point, it was even the captain, Jason Spezza. You know, you know what I mean? Like, it's always going to be somebody. Um, and and it's it, for now, it's going to be the $8 million guy who can't stop getting hurt and – as a, I think it's like a no trade clause, no move clause next year. Like, of course he's going to be that guy, right? Um, he's also, you know, like we we went through the rebuild expecting him to be what Eric Carlson was, and he's not. He's probably the furthest thing from that. <laughs> like, like let's be real. Like, the, the guy's not going to be winning a Norris Trophy anytime soon, in my opinion. Um, but. He's he's a good he's, he is a good defenseman. I don't think they'll trade him. I, I think he's a poor part of the leadership group in Ottawa. Um, I think it's it's really hard. Like when you look at guys, like you almost feel like someone has to make their way out. And we talked about the cap situation earlier and the goalies and stuff. Like I feel like you could you could probably fix Corpusalo. I think that you, there's a fix there, but a lot of cap space is about to be cleared out with the removal of all of our. Uh, buyout contracts yeah and like you got to think like Tarasenko is going to be gone Kubalik's going to be gone too like we're going to have I don't know what roughly 20 million extra dollars coming up here soon in around that range or so I I actually probably should have taken note of what contracts kick in I don't know if like Timmy's contract is this year or next the 8 million one there but his is currently on the books is it on the books? Yeah, Sanderson comes on next year. That's it. There you go. Like time flies, eh? How about that? Yeah. already on his fourth year. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's sends Twitter, sends Twitter, and like you said, there's always going to be a whipping boy. And right now, that is that's basically the whole team. But yeah, Thomas Shabbat makes a bad play. Everybody's on him, and they're on him a little bit harder because he's been here since the start and. You know, if you watched him play before the rebuild, he looked like he was going to be Eric Carlson. <laughs> like, I remember watching him live when the Sens were really bad there in 2018-19. And, or, sorry, 2019-20. And is the way he just handles the puck, he quarterback really well on, the, on that blue line. And I just, I just think the expectations are too high uh, for him that haven't been... Uh, you know, he just hasn't been what we thought he would be. But you're also expecting him to be a gen- like generational talent is the word he used to describe Eric Carlson. So Shabbat being merely elite isn't good enough, which is a bit silly. But then again, expecting yeah. sense Twitter and uh, Sean Simpson to be rational, because let's be real, guess who started that whipping boy? Is just a bridge too far. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I like I said, <laughs> sense Twitter. Let's <laughs> see, you know, if you're on it, you get it. You know, I know tons of people that have left it just because of the toxicity of it. And honestly, I'd probably get off of it too if it wasn't for the fact that that's just the easiest place to find all that news and transfer it over to Instagram. <laughs> so a guy that we talked about earlier in this episode, Shane Pinto, service 41 game suspension, signed a one-year deal with the Sens. Overall, now that he is finally 
getting a chance to play this season, what sort of expectations should we, the fans, have for him? Oh, <laughs> I mean, right now, he, I look at that guy like he's got to be our saving grace. <laughs> you know, like the way that everything's gone, it's like you, you just kind of got to hope that he comes in and he makes that much of a difference. But in terms of realistic like, I don't know, I, I, I'd i say I hope he ends the season with 30 points. Uh, even that's probably pushing it a little bit. I just hope he comes in and play, plays his game. You know what I mean? At this point, we're at a season where it's pretty much lost. Like, unless this team miracul- miraculously goes on a huge run this next month here, coming up through February, like, there's not much of a hope. So uh, I, I just hope he comes in and he plays well and – you know, uh, Jax is a guy who is watching every player very closely. And that's probably where we're going to start seeing moves once he starts relaying information to uh, Steve Stavos and upper management there. And he just got to play. He just got to li- just listen to Jacques Martin. I think it's just his overall, should be his overall goal. And sentence fans probably just got to, not jump on him like we did with Josh Norris, you know, coming off the shoulder, uh, shoulder surgery there and uh, not playing at an $8 million level <laughs> as well as him. So, yeah. One final question I do want to ask, and it's something that Tim and I talked about a few weeks ago on the show. I was on Twitter and I was reading a tweet by a Sabres fan talking about how the Sabres essentially has lost a generation of fans with the just the overall losing and missing the playoffs and everything that they've done. If the senators continue this of losing season after losing season, are we in that same boat of losing a generation of fans? I think we're always in it, honestly, like you play in between the Montreal Canadians and the Toronto Maple Leafs, and it doesn't help that the Montreal Canadians were in the Stanley cup finals a few years ago. And it doesn't help that the Toronto Maple Leafs are just consistent, first round exits you know what I mean or second round exits so um winning matters and this team doesn't win so yeah definitely like you're you're creeping up to it that's for sure but I think I think for the most part like it's important to to market the guys like Brady Kachuk and Tim Stutzla because you know, you see the videos of them when they were living, all living together. I think it was like those two and like Josh Norris or something like that. I don't know where in Ottawa they were living, but, you know, they'd go out and play hockey, street hockey with the kids and stuff. So one one thing that I've always admired about the Sens is their prices of things are very, makes it easy to take your family out to games and stuff. You know, I think I think they do good for the local fan base. But uh, definitely on like a countrywide or nationally, uh, probably you're you're always going to be, like I said, stuck in between the Habs and Leafs. So you're always going to have that kind of you're you're going to have the basic generation of fans, and then you're you'll have your few diehards. But hopefully that answered it uh, well. I know the Sabers the Sabers haven't won a playoff game since I was in like grade six, so. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I couldn't tell you anything about uh, about the Buffalo Sabers and their fans. I not not to take a knock on them, but I haven't met many of them. I have one buddy who's a Sabers fan, but yeah. Well, I don't. Even in that same tweet, they were talking about how they've lost the casual fan, but it 
And I always want to relate to the senators. Like, what is the tipping point where not only did you lose the casuals, you lose the hardcore fans too? I don't think I don't think you lose the hardcore fans in Ottawa. I think, and and this is my thing. It's like it's been been really easy to cheer for the Sens, you know. And, and that's just that's just my personal opinion. I consider myself a hardcore fan. Uh, I try to go out to as many games as I possibly can, and whether they're in Toronto or going up to Ottawa or whatever it is. Um, like I'm always gonna buy jerseys and stuff and support. I, I like the Leafs again, like kind of a horrible comparison, but look at how bad they were for how long they, you know, were bad. And I think as long as you got guys that are likable, which you know, I think the players that they do have are likable and they're easy to market. I think they're a lot easier to market than Mike Hoffman and Eric Carlson, honestly, which sounds weird to say as a Norris Trophy winner, but, you know, like there wasn't, aside from him being that top three player, like Carlson was all you had, you know. It wasn't like you saw him out in the community very often, at least not that I had ever heard of. I I just see these guys out more in the community and doing things and Brady Kachuk's walking downtown and, taking photos with fans and you know he, he's in the media whether it's cheering on his brother for the playoffs like I just think it's a it's a much more likable group of guys than it's been in a really long time personally so I don't think I don't think at any point in time you start to lose anybody especially now that ownership has changed I think that you've bought yourself at least another five years <laughs> before you then, really have to worry about that and then they can always lean on the new stadium it's like yeah you don't have to drive from Orléans to Canada yeah yeah exactly which is a brutal brutal drive to get to that arena yeah it is horrible um but yeah I think I think I think that's not something the team needs to worry about they do they do a great job in my opinion of you know maintaining a fan base the on-ice success is something that you know, at this point, relies heavily on players. Ten years ago, I don't think it was the same case. Like that team was, you know, that old ownership and everything. They were icing the same mediocre team year after year, relying on a random goalie to come in and make a miraculous playoff run, and getting lucky with Eric Carlson being a Norris Trophy top three NHL player in the league and doing what he did in those playoffs, right? But even before then, like, like, th- like when you talk to an NHL fan, they don't talk about, you know, 2013 Norris Trophy Eric Carlson. They talk about 2017 Eric Carlson, and two years later he left. So, not even actually, it was the year after. So that's that's just that's just my my take on that. Right. So Tim, do you have any more questions you want to ask before we wrap up our first half recap? Uh, no, I think we've kind of covered everything that really needs to be covered other than Mr. Ridley Gregg. Oh, the best senator on the team this year, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, he's his breakout year has been probably one of the brightest spots in the year and seeing him able to munch minutes with, uh, frankly, the best, some, the best on the team and look dominant as a line against teams as good as Colorado, as good as the Jets, as good as Philadelphia. Yeah, no, the way, the way that he's held his own uh, has been awesome. And even, 
like uh, at the game in Toronto, he fought some nobody on the Leafs defenseman there. I don't know who it was, but I think it was like Lajeson or something like that. And even like Leaf fans around me, like you could hear them saying like the 71 kid, like he's, <laughs> he's a pretty scrappy little fella. And, you know, a lot of people like, yeah, especially in the media, Toronto's media, like it's all Matthew Nyes, Matthew Nyes, Matthew Nyes, and Fraser Minton and Nick Robertson. We don't hear enough about Ridley Gregg. <laughs> like, like we really don't. He's definitely an underrated piece to that first round. Uh, excuse me, back in the 2020 draft. Yeah, and to think that uh, we traded down for Greg. That's the wild thing. Did we really, eh? I believe, I remember. if I remember correctly, we trade. We got a bit later. Uh, I do and, remember he was like 27th overall or something, yeah. I think. Uh, so, And what's insane is we have on uh, Evolving Wild has their picks for the trophies, and Greg is one of the, really Greg is one of their nominations for Calder. I would definitely, I would definitely put him in there. He's, he hasn't done anything that anybody else hasn't done. You know what I mean? Pretty much. Well, guys, that wraps up our first half week recap, which can mean only one thing. Start to talk about some games. Now we got three games on the schedule. We've got the Avalanche versus the Senators, Canadians versus the Sens, and the Jets versus the Senators. But before we do that, let's hit the music. Time to play the game. Okay, guys, let's start talking about the Avalanche versus the Senators. This is a 7 4 Avalanche victory. Avalanche goes to score by Migo Ratnan with two, Jason Pullen with his first NHL goal, Miles Wood, Sam Malinsky, Logan Connor, and Devon Taves. Sens goal to score by Ridley Gregg with two, Drake Batherson, and Jake Sanderson. Shots were 40 34. For Ottawa, once again, Ottawa failing to hold a lead and against Colorado of all teams. Again. <laughs> yep. What? 4-2 is 4-2 or something. It was 4-2, five unanswered goals. And frankly, this game's on Sogard. The pooling goal, the O'Connor goal should not have gone in. And then that gets you back to tie game, which wouldn't have created the empty netter it's a game where the Sens played great and what's wild about this game is even after the game was tied the Sens didn't crumple they really took it to Colorado they ring it off the crossbar and that goes right back in on the O'Connor goal so it's just a frustrating game where Ottawa was very much the better team and just they got goalied I remember Zub. I, I didn't like Zub's defensive game. I think I remember actually tweeting. He had a couple of goals there. Like I think it was the first one in front of the net. Both of them were the Rantanen goals. Yeah. And it was just like weak defensive efforts. Like, like Rantanen got like a tap in with Zub right there. Like stick lift him. I don't know. Push him. Anything to not have him just standing there. But you know, Rantanen, he's a big fella. I think like what they call him Moose. <laughs> they call him <laughs> Moose on the Avalanche, right? So. Yeah, I remember Zub had a bad game. I think it was, yeah, the defensive structure didn't help Sogard and, you know, Sogard trying to come in and playing against some elite talent there in Colorado definitely doesn't help in your first NHL game after dominating in the American League. 
Right, but at the same time, at a point eight two, you gotta put. And here's the thing: like some of some of the goals, they're they're not coming from good places. Like we're talking about goals that are pushed to the outside, defenders giving him clean lines and still getting scored on anyway. Yeah, like the Ranton goals. Yeah, there's nothing you're gonna do about that. Zub could have done more, but Zub got walked. Yeah. Yeah. But like the Poulin goal, really? Yeah, it's one of those things where like again, like I feel like we've said it a hundred times almost like there's nothing like it was nothing new. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, well, here comes another goalie under nine hundred save percentage. What else is new? You know what I mean? But yeah, definitely not a good game from Sogarden. I'm going to talk about uh, my favorite player, Ridley Gregg, with two goals, including quite possibly one of the more violent goals I've seen. And I've seen the man push a goalie into the net and get a goal for it in person. Just another frantic goal mouth scramble for Ridley Gregg. And that's really what we need from him, is just another guy who can cause fits for both the defenders and the goalie. He follows that up with an absolute skill laser shot to make it <laughs> to give Ottawa their lead. Yeah, he's a, he's an incredible talent. Eh? He's almost like a he's almost like a lesser version of like a Brady Kachuk. You know what I mean? He's like a third line, second line version of a Brady Kachuk with a shot. <laughs> yeah, with a shot, like <laughs> yeah. honestly, Ridley Gregg, the way he's playing this season he wouldn't look out of place on a first line. And this is coming from his underlyings. Like, admittedly, small sample one season, but if he continues like this, and this is who Ridley Gregg is, Ridley Gregg is a second-line center on a playoff team. At the very least. I can definitely, I can definitely see that. Like, a Sens fan could totally say that right now. Other fans would probably laugh at us, but I I totally agree. Give him like another, maybe another year or so to really get his feet wet in this league, and I could totally see him replacing like a Josh Norris on that line for sure. Yep. Absolutely, absolutely, agree. absolutely. Well, even here's his stat card from hockey from hockey viz plus nine six point nine nice synthetic goals. <laughs> that is solidly first liner territory, and. He's creating a, an extra quarter expected goal for per 60, which puts him in the top 70 in the top 75% of players, sorry, top 25% of players. And his defense puts him in the top 80, per, sorry, the top 20% of players. Wow. According to Mika's model. And his setting puts him around one standard deviation above average. And Money Puck shows something similar. And as I earlier said, Evolving Wild's model puts him in the Calder conversation. Like, if he comes out like this next year, yeah, dude is, has frankly leapfrogged jo Josh Norris at the very least. And it gives Ottawa that, it gives Ottawa the lethal two, one, two, three punch in the way we least expected it. That's for sure. I remember there was even, I said it in the offseason and you know, it was just for a topic of debate. I, I'd rather keep both of them, but it was like Pinto versus Greg. And I don't know about you guys, but uh, Greg was a guy that I was 
willing to keep over Shane Pinto personally. I, I liked him enough last season coming into this year that I, I would have taken him over Pinto for sure. I don't know what your guys' thoughts on that is. That's tough. I think I'd want to keep them both. And oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. Honestly, had Norris, one. Norris might put himself on Robodaw Island, which would probably enable us to have both, just with the he's way had, the guy's shoulder's been. He's had a few scares lately, eh? Yeah. Was it, was, it, was it against Philly that he took the puck to the hand or something? Yeah, and we thought or he was, was that, gone. Or was that the other game? Was it Philly? Was it Philly I that he think took the Phil. It was either Philly or Winnipeg. It was this weekend. I think it was Winnipeg because I think I remember being at home. And I remember, yeah, because I didn't get to watch much of the Philly one, so right. I do think it was that one. But yeah, that gave me a scare. I was like, "Come on!" <laughs> I don't. And for a guy who just came back too, right? Yeah, because the neck injury or whatever in Calgary as well. That's what it yeah. was. Oh, that was tough to watch. Yeah, that was horrible. I know it's worse when you see an injury like that live too, eh? Yeah, like he just crumpled, which was so weird. Oh, did you guys go to that? Uh, I was uh, there in person Vancouver? with some friends. Nice, nice. Yeah, I thankfully did not go to the game in Vancouver. <laughs> Good call. Uh, Good but you could have seen Terry Senko run the snipe show. Honestly, I w- if I had been at that Canucks-Sens game when the Canucks were up 5 nothing at the first period, I would have left. That was oh, yeah. that game is the sense season in a nutshell because it's Corpusalo letting in the dumbest goals. Yeah, all five, pretty much, wasn't it? Yeah, pretty <laughs> yeah. much. Like there was a goal off someone's ass, and then what they drive yeah. down to Seattle and they played better. Oh yeah. Honestly, what's funny is like the only bad part of that. Going back to the Vancouver game, that first period was like pretty bad, but like the skaters were below average. Corpusalo was bad. But then second period comes back comes around and it's better. The skaters are play themselves almost back into the game. So like credit yeah, where credit is due. The game finished like what six six four, six six three four or something, or something like that. Like, yeah. yeah. And so like that's played better. The funny thing about these senders is a team for a team that scores four goals as often as they do. They should be winning more games. Tell that to a Scoring least. goals is not the problem. <laughs> no. You know, it's funny, guys. Like, we've been talking so much about Ridley Greig in this episode, but two guys I want to talk about, especially in this Avalanche game, Claude Giroux and Brady Chuck. Three assists each. Yeah, talk about a dominant line. I mean, the only other guy I really want to talk about, Jake Sanderson. I mean, on that goal, think of a guy who just looks like such a seasoned pro just dancing right through it, everybody. And it's weird because it almost feels like he's having a bit of a down season this year, too. Honestly, that just feels yeah. like the sense in a nutshell. It just, it just <laughs> feels like everybody's having a down year, even if they're not. Like, look at Student Stutzler. The guy has, like, a point per game, and everybody thinks he's slumping. I mean, I think Sanderson was a bit better last year, but Stutzler, yeah, like, Stutzler, I mean, a lot of players are better. Timmy, uh, I did actually a little bit of research on him. Uh, I, I know he's in the, probably going to talk about it later, but, you know, he, he definitely hasn't been much. It feels like he's been much worse than he has been uh, last year. 
probably because he's not going to put up 39 goals this year. But yeah, like he's really not far off from, you know, where he was last year either. Yeah, like he's on a 90 point pace, which is where he was last year. The only problem with Stutzla, though, is that I watch him and two things that really stick out. Number one, he's not as dynamic as last season. But two, with the amount of the adhesive tape you see on the back of his neck, I wonder if he's been playing injured this whole time. And that makes this season even more impressive because the guy's defensive game has gotten way better compared to years past. And think, he's always yeah. been good. Like, that's the thing. The knock, the defensive knock against Stutzla, I just don't think is fair. Like, his defensive game has gotten better every season, and the offensive game has been electric, has been good this year. It just It's weird. It doesn't look it, but on the ice, he's getting the results. And, like, the setups have been great. Another thing, too, is, like, he probably, he, he really took a shot to the uh... – the confidence when uh, DJ Smith got fired. I think that was pretty obvious that affected him. And and now I, I think, I don't know, I think he's kind of found that swagger back a little bit. What does he have, like nine points in the last four games or something like that? It's, it's like stupid like that. That, yeah, that definitely plays in. Yeah. I think he had two, he's had two four-point nights or something in the last five, hasn't he? Uh, in his he last a- five? He had two points against Philadelphia, nothing against Winnipeg, three against Montreal, nothing against Colorado, four against San Jose. So yeah, in the last five, he has nine points. Yeah, like so that definitely plays a part in his pace. I actually I did the math. I did the math before coming on here. He's on pace for nineteen and a half goals, sixty roughly sixty-four and a half assists, and eighty-three or eighty-four points which is only six points less than what he had last year. But as we just said, like defensively, he's been much better. So let's turn our attention and talk about the second game of the evening. Canadians versus Senators this is a 6-2 Senators victory. Canadians goes to scored by Cole Caulfield and Michael Pezzetta. Sens goes to scored by Brady DeChuck, Tim Stutzla, Rourke Sharche, Vladimir Tarasenko, Matthew Joseph, and Parker Kelly. Shots were 37. 23 for the senators so normally rain i would have a rundown or i'd have some comments but usually we have a clip it's a very famous clip from the simpsons this basically sums it up right here (laughs) he's already dead but overall when talking about the ottawa senators i mean just talk about an overall good game by the team and what really put the cherry on top of this game was Stutzla's comments after the game of how great it made, how, how great it felt to make the Hab fans leave early. <laughs> that was awesome. I was, was beefing Hab fans on Instagram after that one. <laughs> They're all coming at me on TSN. I think TSN posted it, and I love, I love beefing Habs fans and Leaf fans. Nothing better. And to see Timmy do it was even. It's better. so weird, like just how aggressive they are. I love it. <laughs> like, I love. I, like, I, I don't like the get it. Like it's funny, and, but then it's like it's so weird. It'll also be like, yeah, Cole Caulfield's so great, guys, and then it's like, yeah, but he's not on much better of a point track than a guy who's been suspended half the season. He's equal to Drake Batherson right now, actually. Yeah, like, which... spot on. Except he's played more games. Which is pretty wild. 
Yeah. And it was funny. I forget what player were they comparing Caulfield to? And it was, sorry, Kotek Mieni, who has the same amount of goals, but one's a buyout candidate. The other is uh, a blooming star. So it is just very bizarre how Cole Caulfield, I think, has this reputation that has not yet been earned. Yeah, I think it's just because, like, how there just really hasn't been that many young star players that have gone to Montreal and were good right out of the gate. They're a weird team, eh? Like, coming out with them, made the Stanley Cup finals with most of those core pieces and then just kind of I don't even know what happened there to be t- <laughs> to be totally honest. Weber and Price. Attention. Yeah, Weber and Price, I guess. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's not forget, guys. Corey Perry was also on that team. Maybe that's why they Corey lost. Perry. Just saying. That's true. And did they still have that Lekkonen guy? Probably not. They did. They had him, but didn't, did he go to Vegas because he won the cup in Vegas, didn't he? Did he, he did. Score yeah, yeah. Overtime? yeah. 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 I thought he won in Colorado. Or is that cool to get? Oh, I think that's... it was. Oh, you're I right. Think it was Colorado. It was Colorado. That's what it was. Funny thing is, even talking yeah. about this Habs game, like, like I know that you've talked about giving it to Habs fans on social media. I find that this that Canadians fans, in my experience, I've had fairly positive interactions with them. It's mostly Toronto fans that always get into us, but most recently, Detroit fans have been coming at us. The weird thing about the Habs is they have all these really incredibly unfunny joke accounts that are supposed to have some bit. They're either not funny or they forgot they have a bit and they just start spewing just dumb stuff. Like I find, again, like name tab fads, not too bad. The the quote unquote parody accounts, terrible. Well, Detroit, on the other hand, they're sickos. Oh, they go for blood. They oh, even Biz, well, Biz Nasty told them to fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> like, if yeah. Biz Nasty's like, like, you guys are fucked, you, you cross the line. Yeah, they just, I don't know, they got, they overreacted to Lark and stuff, and I don't know, I feel like that beef's been there ever since, I think it was like the back-to-back games in Ottawa, and we yeah. Basically kicked them out and sent them spiraling to start trading everybody at the deadline and stuff, which I mean it worked out for them. So <laughs> I mean they're they're battling for that third spot in the division right now. But yeah, no. The the Red Wings fans are definitely there. Like you said, they're out for blood. <laughs> and the weird thing is is I'm not even I'm not even sure Detroit is good. Like, I would wager to say that the difference between Detroit and Ottawa is goaltending. I mean, they've definitely had a lot of help from uh, Lyon. Yeah. Alex Lyon. So I would definitely agree with the goaltending aspect of it. Because, like, they're underlying, again, every model I've seen, their underlying process is not good. Yeah. So, gentlemen, I don't have any more comments to make on this game. If you are ready to talk about the third and final game of the evening. Good to go. Jets versus Senators. This is a 2-1 to one Jets overtime victory. Jets goes scored by Maisel Appleton and Nicholas Ehlers in overtime. Parker Kelly got the lone Sens goal. Shots were 35-29 for Ottawa. So, I'm just going to put this out here. The Winnipeg Jets did not win this game. 
Connor Hellebuck won this game because the Senators were just taking it to Winnipeg the entire game. Like the fact that it was only a 2-1 game surprises me. And honestly, I know I've been dumping on him all like all night, but Jonas Corpusalo played about as well as Hellebuck did. Like some of the saves that both those guys made were frankly miraculous. And you can't even really blame Corpusalo on Nikolai Ehlers' uh, overtime winner because that thing was a beauty backhand. It was a good one. It was a good one. And, you know, especially in the last three games between the Flyers, the Jets, and the Canadiens, I think the one big thing is that our goaltending has improved. And I want to pose the question to you guys. Do you feel the reason why is because of Justin Peters taking over as our goalie coach? Probably too early to tell. Too early to tell right now, in my opinion. But I think I think overall the team's just kind of, I mean, just the last few games alone. I mean, yeah, they had to collapse against Colorado, but as we said there, like, they didn't quit. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it was 7-4, but not like it was like a bad 7-4. It's not like they just packed it in and said, nah, okay, we're done here. No, like, you know, this team seems to run into hot goaltenders on a consistent basis. Yeah. Regardless of what team it is. Like, you know, like, it's all the time. So, I mean, the Winnipeg Jets, I, 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 sure, yeah, you probably could defend it a bit better. I think I was checking out there. Maybe you could have used the save from Corp Salo. I'll take the overtime loss. <laughs> yeah, we get you the know? loser point for once. Yeah, exactly. So I'm not going to complain about losing in overtime for the first time against the third place team. You played good against them, and then you went out and you battled back against the Flyers. So it's it's perfect. So yeah, and like the other thing about this game too is you hung 35 shots and basically really controlled the play against one of the best teams in the league. Like you got to hang your hat on that. And I really liked a lot of what I saw from most of the lineup, honestly, like Shabbat, like the counting numbers weren't great, but he, he managed to carry around Bernard Docker without it looking terrible. The Zoop Sanderson pairing looked phenomenal. Brands from Shikrin looked good. The Grieg line, they did everything but score. And Norris, Tarasenko, Kelly put on a, like, sure, they were playing against the Appleton line, but they put on a clinic. And Parker Kelly has been somewhat inspired lately, which is a sentence I thought I would never say. I know. It's almost like in our last episode when Zach McEwen scored. And I was like, no, really, he actually scored in this game. Words I never thought we'd ever talk about, Tim. Do you want to say them uh, with a bonus game? Absolutely, Tim. Now, unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to write any notes up for this game, but I'm going to throw it over to you, Tim, for this rundown. All right. To start off the mom's trip with the Ottawa Senators, they go to the city of brotherly love for another matinee. This one ended Five to three in favor of the Ottawa Senators. Ottawa leads the short the shot clock as well, 34 to 25. First period is all the goals for Philadelphia, despite all the pressure being Ottawa with Eric Zamula scoring two, one of which proves to be very controversial as the whistle sounds like it is blown, but 
but Zamula is shooting the puck. It goes in and continuance of play demands that it is a goal. Second period, Zach McEwen finds himself alone, shoots quite possibly one of the nicest wristers I've seen all season and beats the goalie clean. 2-1 sends. Farabee scores, make it 3-1. And then Stutzla scores what might be the somehow the weirdest goal of the game where Pinto, Shabbat, and Tarasenko throw the puck down on the net. Stutzla basically fighting to get it across the net. Play is called dead, but the puck has clearly crossed the line before the whistle went. Continuance of play. Goal for Tim Stutzla. And then the third period, the Sens just take Philadelphia to the woodshed, scoring three goals, Giroux, Tarasenko, and Stutzla, with Stutzla's being on the empty net for a tidy 5-3 to three Senators victory. Yeah, see, that was a game that I <laughs> I tuned out after. It was like 3-1. I was like, ah, you know what? <laughs> like, playoff football's on. Playoff <laughs> <laughs> football's on. <laughs> not going to bother. I'm going to just go watch some football. I'm not going to waste my afternoon here in the night. I remember I looked at my phone after the game was over. I'm like, well, oh, wait a minute. We won? <laughs> like, this team coming back and fighting? And that, like, honestly, that's, it's turned a new leaf for me um, to watch Sens games a little bit more. Like, my hours are a little bit weird with work, so I don't really want to stay up too late and watch games if I have to be up at 2 or 3 in the morning or whatever it is. And I'm just not going to waste my time. But if I'm going to, you know, stay up and watch a great hockey game, a good comeback, then, yeah, I'll stick around and I'll watch that game for sure. So it's it's nice to just see that, you know, what that's five out of the last six possible points that you've got grabbed. And that's that's huge. That's really big for heading into the halfway point of the season. And, and still games behind. <laughs> as much as that sucks to say. Yeah. Yeah. Still got games in hand, so... And what's ridiculous is they got six, they got five out of those six points playing three games in four days, including yeah. travel. Like that is actually yeah. an impressive performance by the Senators. Have either of you seen either this weird Zamula goal or the weird goal that was originally given to Tarasenko, but then given to Stutzla? No. So these were rather controversial, but especially with invocating Rule 37 in the NHL goal rule book of the continuance of play, which suggests that, which says that in a situation where the puck crossed the net, even though the whistle went, but there was nothing that interfered with it as it was going in that would have been affected by the whistle, the goal should still count. Kind of a basketball rule, but it also feels very odd with some other calls that we've seen over the years, especially when it comes to intent to blow the whistle. Uh, the intent to blow the whistle one haunts me. I don't know if you guys remember. Do you remember that? I think it was like uh, game game six against the Canadians in the 2015 playoffs and Pajot yeah. ripped that goal and it wide open and intent to blow the whistle. God, yeah. Like, come on, man. Like, <laughs> that's the worst call i think in hockey the whistle goes or it doesn't you know what i mean like yeah i actually don't mind continuance of play it happens in basketball if the ball was shot after the whistle goes see where it goes mm -hmm. in hockey if there's like no tip after the whistle or anything like that yeah see where the puck goes and i think I that agree. makes for a good it makes for a better game
100%. So, like, I hope that this game actually sets a precedent because we got that continuance of play call twice, both of them confirmed by Toronto. And that's just a way better game to a way better game to watch. The joke is, is if this does become a precedent setting game, will we remember it as the whistle game? I think so. And is it peak sense that something this bizarre happened? I'm not sure if this is just us watching this team too much, but I feel like weird stuff per 60, Ottawa far and away head of the league in that regard. Oh, yeah, whether it's that or guys using their head to score goals. Remember that Colin White? Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's, always, it's always something, eh, with this team. JBD's ass goal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Best to ever do it. <laughs> Always something. Always something. Yeah, I mean, and it's funny because even in that day in sports, I mean, yeah, it's sensitive. We can talk about the whistle game, but hell, if you're a if you're a Buffalo Bills fan, you could talk about wide right too. Low blow, low blow to the Bills fans out there. Hey, I'm a Seattle fan, man. We didn't even make the playoffs this year. To be fair to the Bills, they did really well despite how injured that team is. Yeah. One of their wide receivers yeah. was walking in on an obvious limp. Yeah, I, I can't I can't talk too much because Carolina, Carolina Panthers fan. So. <laughs> Why would you do that to yourself? <laughs> that Cam Newton, man, is the same thing as the Sennies. You know, <laughs> growing up, Cam Newton was the guy before his MPP season. Before that, I'd like to reiterate that. Um, but... Did you yeah, watch? Did you watch the urinating tree he just did on uh, Dave Tepper? Is it new? If it's new, it, then no. Yeah, it just came up the last couple of days. He talks I about will have to watch that. Yeah, he's going hard on Carolina Panthers now. That's fair, man. It's totally fair. You know, I totally off topic. I was I got got to go there week two like for Monday Night Football against the Saints in Carolina, and. Okay. uh Man, like I was expecting to go there and the city's buzzing, you know, football's back. We just got the number one pick. Oh, it was anything but that. It like, was like literally nobody cared. It was like going to Ottawa in 2020 or 2019, I guess. Mm. It was it was pretty bad. For me, I was ecstatic because, you know, first time there and everything. But yeah, for people around there, there was not a lot of it's kind of much it hilariously it's similar to ottawa i feel like i'm in the exact same scenario with like melnick and the fan base again (laughs) nobody's going to games and everybody hates the owner the city doesn't even cheer for the team they cheer for everybody around the you know the city it's it doesn't help that there's a lot of expats in rally too because of the tech triangle sorry where like in charlotte charlotte sorry yeah charlotte rally the tech triangle yeah 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 no definitely so yeah, it's like a lot of those people, why would they cheer for the home team when the team they cheered for growing up is not probably better? Yeah. 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 It's kind of like being in Arizona cheering for the Cardinals. It's like, why would you want to do this to yourself? <laughs> at least with the yeah. Lions, at least you had two generational talents. The Arizona Cardinals can't even say that. No, no. It's you know, it's. I think Carolina is much like Ottawa. You know, you win and the fans come. 
It's as simple as that. You know what I mean? Get an owner that respects you and people come back around. Like, you know, look at the sense. What we've sold out like the last six games or something like that. Oh, sold out more than that, more than that this year, but six in a row when this team has been really, really bad. <laughs> like like the majority of these people going to the games are from the area, <laughs> you know, like you've got to think at least 90%. Can't imagine many people are, you know, booking flights and hotels in Ottawa right now to go see the Sens play, <laughs> you know, but a change does a lot. And that's, you know, like I said too uh, earlier when we were talking about the hardcore fans and stuff, this team has easily bought themselves a few few years of the ownership change, and it's, it's very promising, very promising in Ottawa. I think I think as fans, we should all still be very excited despite the struggles with goalies and players and such. And you know, it'll all work itself out. Some teams, you know, maybe Ottawa doesn't have to be like the Leafs and go lose in the first round for six straight years you know maybe we just need one year to squeak in and you get a feel and then next year you go on a run kind of like colorado they had a couple what what two three years of just making it and then eventually boom stanley cup right so so guys <laughs> i don't have any more comments to make on these games if you are ready to head off for head out to the close for another episode sounds yeah. good to me so, yeah. Rain, we can't thank you enough for taking time out of your schedule to join us for today's episode. Now, before we head off into the close, where can our listeners find you on social media? Uh, yeah, just Daily Sends News. Throw a couple underscores. Daily underscore Sends underscore News. You can also follow me on Twitter. Not as active on there. Uh, maybe a bit, I guess, during games. But news-wise, just kind of throw my opinions more out there. But you can find me on uh, Instagram and Twitter at Daily Sense News. Feel free to give me a follow. Thank you guys very much for having me on this podcast. I appreciate it. I love doing stuff like this. This is my first podcast in a few years now. Um, but uh, it's always nice. It's always nice to come on here and talk sense hockey with a bunch of uh, other people as well. So I, very, I appreciate it a lot for you guys reaching out to me. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I hope you've enjoyed it because believe me, Tim and I love recording it for you. You can find the show on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Google Play. As well, you can find us on social media at Third Line Plug. You can find me on social media at Great White Gipster. And you can find Tim on Twitter at M901. Honey bad. So, Tim, for next week, we've got three games in Ottawa. We've got tomorrow night in Montreal for Montreal Games. Thursday, we return home for Boston Bruins. And Saturday, we welcome the New York Rangers. Until next week, guys. I'm Tim Gibson. And this has been Tim Jensen.